0: this morning and that we would walk out of this place knowing you more and walking more in our in obedience and worship to you in Jesus name amen
1: blessed is the man who walks not into the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, In all that he does, the prospers, the wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish
0: great work Josiah well done some of those words aren't easy I mean what's a scoffer instantly I thought of eating all the food after church (laughs) did you yeah, I saw that hand. <laughs> well, we'll find out that's not what it is. Good morning, my name's Andrew, I'm uh, one of the pastors here and it's my privilege to um, lead you in the Word this morning and I just want to begin by just saying how adaptable are our, um, our uh, ministry team and our serving team and that, you know, seriously. Um, We've got no power and we're running the whole show on one PowerPoint. I'm waiting for sparks, but don't worry about it, you know. The sparks will be not power, it'll be the Holy Spirit. But um, I just think it's amazing that, you know, sometimes when we need to adapt, we've got just wonderful people that God leads to do that. And I used this example last week because we're kind of, you know, God is still moving even though uh, there's renovation and there's improvement happening. And it's a bit of an analogy of my life. You know, the process of sanctification is improvement and renovation, and God is still working at the same time. So isn't that a great analogy? So, um, yeah, just wanted to mention that. I think that it's really great that we can uh, still get to worship like that. I wanted to talk about, I've had this on my mind for a little while, I wanted to talk about what it means to be blessed. And and I thought, well, where can I go? I can read a lot of books and I can um, certainly read lots of Places in the Bible where it talks about blessing, but I think that Psalm One is dead set solid. It's really um, it really helps us to understand what blessing is all about. You know, um, we hear the word a lot in Christian circles, and and we read it. You know, blessed blessings, feeling it, uh, wishing it for each other, experiencing blessings. You know, you you hear it so often, don't you? You hear some um, saying, "Well, I'm so blessed," um, or they're so blessed or, um, you know, I've been blessed with, you know, I've been blessed with a a house or a a gorgeous wife or a, you know, a gorgeous wife to be, you know, soon. I see that hand too, brother. And um, yeah, I've been blessed with, we we think, and and, or I'm praying for blessings this year and and in conversations I've had with people, you know, um, I'm hoping for blessings this year or I've heard people say, you know, this year I'm going to be chasing God's blessings. Has anyone ever heard that? Chasing God's blessings. How do you do that? Um, hope God will bless me, or God bless me with. You fill it in. And, you know, or we sign off our letters and emails, and I'm guilty of this with blessings. What, what, do, what do I mean? What do we mean, you know? And in the evangelical world, there's a wide range, isn't there, of interpreting or understanding blessing or God's blessing. I had a little bit of fun on the internet this week with trying to find books on blessings. You know, talking about, you know, there's a huge way in the evangelical world looking materi- materially or experientially and more. And, and in Googling quickly, I found a lovely book by Kenneth Copeland. It saw the, um, and in that statement, in the subtext or the subtitle of the book, The Blessing of the Lord Maketh Rich. I ordered the book. <laughs> and then there was a book by Joseph Prince, two books actually. Believe His Love and Receive All Blessings or... God wants to set you up for blessings and wealth. I ran out of money, so I didn't order that book. Joel Osteen's another one. Your best life now, or a great take on one of our on one of our sayings: good, better, blessed instead of best. So that's one end of the spectrum. But then there's the other end of the spectrum. Either if you keep into you know, there's interpretations to the to the other end of the spectrum. Interpretations of Jesus' beatitudes that encourage self-flagellation. And denial that that's the only way to be blessed. Or misery in this world somehow equals blessing in the heavenly. So there's that that wide spectrum of how we understand blessing and how we deal with blessings. So what does blessed or being blessed in a godly sense actually mean or look like? How do you get it? And what are the signs? How do you go about experiencing or living a blessed life? How do we go about that? And... I was aware when I was doing this, I'm sure that, that it has as many expressions as there are human characters on earth. And as many expressions as there are human lives and situations. And it's as, and it's as diverse as God is, and as diverse as God's shown himself to be through the ages. But I think, even so, someone is a great place to look at for the foundation of blessing. What blessing looks like, how you go about getting it or living it, and the results. So I thought, let's have a peek. So what I want you to do, I haven't got a PowerPoint today because I want you just to have your Bibles open, Psalm 1 in front of you. So if your phone keeps fading out, keep tapping it so it stays alive. And if we could just put it up on the screen and you could follow where we are a little bit. And it's kind of light, so you can't see the screen. So if you've got a paper Bible, you might need that. Um, And if you've got a phone or an iPad, use that. Just to look at it as we go, because I want to look a little bit at what the psalmist says. Psalm 1 is a, a kind of an introduction to the Psalms. Psalm 1 is said to lay the foundation for pretty much the rest of the psalms um, and an understanding of, of the two sides of humanity and, and Roy sort of pointed that out a little bit as well. Psalm 1 called a wisdom psalm and um, if you know a little bit about psalms, there's different kinds of psalms. There's, and there's a bit of a dispute, some say there's 5 or 8 or 10 types but there's psalms like poetry psalms and that would include things like David's songs and the things that he does. There's wisdom psalms like this one, there's praise psalms, there's royal psalms, and then there's those thanksgiving psalms and perhaps more. But Psalm 1 is a wisdom psalm. Psalm 1 is supposed to impart wisdom to us and speak about the wisdom of the heavenlies, the wisdom from God. And it lays down the premise of two distinct ways to live, doesn't it? And not just two ways to live, but also the results of those ways. What happens? One being righteous. Blessed, then, if you like, and the other being wicked, damned to eternity, to eternal um, hell. The very first word in the psalm is the word blessed. It's interesting that the Hebrew word, the Hebrew sense of that word is plural, blessings much. And it talks about, or, or this sense of continual or ongoing. So we read the word blessed. But it's not just a once off thing. The, the Hebrew is talking about an ongoing sense of this continual multiple, multiplication of this. And what the Hebrew word of blessing actually means, the interesting comes from the word which means to go straight, to go forward, to advance, to proceed. So you could say, always proceed or continually go forward or ongoing advance in your life. So blessed is that. Continual, lots of ongoing, advance in your life to go forward to proceed, but the trick is where. And the next, and then in the next line, blessed is the man who. Well, there's a hint there. Blessed is the man who, or you could use the word that. Blessed is the man that. So, we have to do, or in this case, not do something. So the interesting thing is what I notice is we do have a role, don't we, in our lives being blessed. There's this sense where God invites us into a life with Him, that that somehow blessing captures that sense of we're invited into this place. So blessed is the man who, or that, and in this case it doesn't do. So what do we not avoid what do we not do or what do we avoid in our lives according to this psalm? And the psalmist presents it as a kind of a progression, if you like you know, going deeper or slowly getting, getting in further into something. That's not so apparent in the English, but is much more apparent in the Hebrew um, of, the, of the psalm. So let's have a bit of a look. Um, and so if you've got the psalm in front of you, you've got the words there, have a look at the words. I'm going to run quickly through the words a little bit. We say, so what should we not do? He said, blessed is a man who walks not. Don't walk in the counsel of the wicked does not walk, um, and in the Hebrew, the walk means go along with, or follow a course of action, or to live a life, or follow a path, a way of life. So he doesn't follow a path or a way of life in the council, walk in the council. And that's, a, that's a probably a bit of an old word, but in the Hebrew, council means purpose, or plan, or resolution of the will. Um, also takes in the sense of a viewpoint or a way of thinking. So blessed is a man who does not walk, take the path of somebody, of a purpose or a plan or a way of thinking of the wicked. So they're the ones we're not supposed to follow. So wicked, I had a look again. What's wicked in Hebrew? I think that the psalmist, is a short psalm, but I think every word in there is important for us. I had a look at the wicked and in Hebrew it's loose unstable, ungodly. We conjure up all these things anyway when we think of wicked, don't we? Controlled by their own desires and emotions or impulses of the mind and flesh rather than the Word and the Holy Spirit. So the man of blessedness is one who is determined to walk by the whole counsel of the Word, not by his emotions, experience, tradition, or by popular opinion. So we're seeing the first case that the psalmist is saying, you know, Um, This continual moving forward comes, this blessedness comes to someone who doesn't do this. And he goes on, nor stands in the way of sinners. Or stand is to stop and to be firm, isn't it? To, To be in the way of sinners. From just walking in their counsel, from hanging around to a more confirmed way of the wicked, more involved and more influenced in the path or the way of sinners. A way is a course of action, isn't it? A, a manner of work. It it talks about the conduct or the behaviour. And so, it sits in the seat of scoffers. Now I said that about it. it's not sitting down and eating lots of food with people. It sits in the seat of scoffers, and you you're getting the picture now and how it progresses. Sit in the Hebrew is to dwell or to linger or to stay. And the seat is where they hang out, and it 's interesting that that 's an old word. the seat we talk about it in, in royal terms or in, in governmental terms. where is the seat of power? where power is, so the seat of the place of the ungodly, the worldly people. so just recognize the progression there a little bit you know so that you start off by um, you start off by walking in the council of the wicked, so you begin to hang around people with the wrong sense of of what's right or wrong. And then they stand in the way of sinners. So you hang around and you stop there for a little bit. And then you begin to stay with them where the seat of power is. You sit with them. Do you, do you see that progression a little bit? It's kind of like you, you watch that as, uh, in kids or young people or even ourselves. And you begin by watching something. It's, it's curiosity. Then you hang around it. It becomes an interest that you have. Then you become a part of it and you get involved and it's a bit of an involvement, isn't it? Allowing us to be drawn in and shaped by something. You know, and we all follow things and, and I recognise this in my own life. You know, I think of um, stories of, um, of myself when, when I was young, when I was a teenager and I, I began smoking. I can remember that, you know, I, I was just curious. I knew some older guys that did it. You know, does anyone identify, not with smoking, but something like this? Some, some older guys that did it and they seemed really cool. And they seemed like they were really enjoying it, you know. And then I, you know, so I was kind of, that would be walking in the council, of hanging around it. And then I decided to try it and um, and thought, not only did I like it, not at first, I don't think anyone did at first, but not only did I like it, but I felt cool. I felt like I belonged and I hung around. And then, of course, I became a smoker back then. I became involved in it. And so you see that that's the case with, with all sorts of things. You see that how do, how do gangs work? How do, how do youth gangs work? How do cults or sects or, or how, do, how, do, how, do, how, do, how do society work in that way? How do our kids get drawn into things? And I started thinking of you know, the cyber world where you're curious about something and, and um, you begin to draw and you begin to take a, an extra interest in it and you begin to just involve yourself a little bit in it. And this is what the psalmist is talking about. So we know that that's human behavior. We know that that's what we do. And he's saying, blessed is the man or blessed is the person who doesn't do that. To be blessed or to experience blessings, you avoid those things. You watch out how you progress. So the question is, what do you do? So if if a blessed person doesn't do that, what does he do? And the next line, he says that. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. So does that mean that we just sit in a room the whole day and read the Bible? Is that what he means? So, you know, we've got to avoid all this stuff. And the only way to avoid it is to lock ourselves away and read the Bible and just delight in the, I don't think it does. I think he means being mindful of the word being attentive to the Word, using it to guide your life. Now, if you're going to use something to guide your life, you've got to read it, you've got to understand it. As men, we're notorious for not reading the manual before we try something, right? Every man laughs. You know why you laugh, because you do it too. And we think we can master this thing without the guy that made the thing telling us how to do it. We do not need to be told. And invariably, we either mess it up or we end up using a device for something like two-thirds of its life, actually not tapping into two-thirds of its capability. Isn't that right? I mean, how many buttons in cars nowadays, that you don't know what they do? Or on your, I'm guilty for that, you know, I don't know. I've got a computer, There's does a whole lot of stuff, but I don't go there. So this whole sense of, you know, being mindful of the Word, attentive to it, using it to guide your life, you've got to read the Word, you've got to understand that the Word is more than just... Um, just something to be read in a life group or in a church service or in a youth group or in your devotions, but that it actually tells you how to maximize the life that God has given you and actually draw the most out of it. Loving what it brings into your life, that it brings structure, that it brings understanding and that it helps you with your responses to life and the challenges in life. You know, how many times do you wish you knew how to deal with a situation? How many times do you feel like, oh, I wish I knew what to do with this? I wonder if we read the Word more and understood God's heart more in the Word, that that wouldn't come to us more easily. It gives us understanding of who we are, our identity, and of course, it reveals to us the greatest gift of all, the gift of salvation. How would we know, unless we had the Word, what Christ did for us? His delight is in the law of the Lord and on his Lord he meditates day and night. The psalmist wants us to understand that it's that constant... He talks about day and night. Day and night is not... It just, it's, it's the Hebrew sense of talking about rhythm. That it becomes... The word becomes a rhythm, that, that um, meditating or um, delighting in the Lord becomes a rhythm of our life, and it becomes a lifestyle that it begins to affect our normal and everyday life. Not just... The parts of life where we do our morning devotions, or the parts of life that we would call spiritual, like going to uh, um, our life group or uh, going to church. But there's a sense where the Hebrew talks about that the Word sort of is, that life is immersed in the Word. All of life is immersed in the Word. That we're soaking in the Word in all the parts of our life, and it's affecting us. Central to blessing is the Word of God, it's truth its guidance, its instruction, and the life that it gives. So blessing does come from somewhere. And we see that we do have a role in it. It matters where we tap into or what we tap into for our formation. It matters what we allow to form and shape us. The, the thoughts, the impulses, the, the opinions, and the way we see the world, it matters what we allow to shape us. It matters what we choose to guide us. It matters how we set our values and where we tap in to understand what our values should be. It matters the company we keep and how that shapes us. These things really matter. The psalmist makes that really clear. You know, I I would say as quick as anyone that I want to be blessed. Well, then this matters. If I want to understand blessing, it, it really matters. The psalmist shows us two very distinct and opposing roads and, and um, Roy used the roads analogy and the psalmist does that. He shows chose us two ways. One leads to being blessed, many blessings. The other, not so much. The language is pretty harsh. So maybe you could say, rather than say I've been blessed with, maybe you could say I'm blessed by rather than blessed with. So what does it look like? Because the psalmist doesn't leave us hanging there and saying we'll figure out um, what that might look like in your life. But he doesn't list off this thing. So if you live like this, if you delight yourself in the Lord of the Lord and, and meditate on it, you know what? You're going to be rich. You're going to have a smoking hot wife like I do and like, where's Isaac gone? Is about to get, you know? So you can Instagram it and you can put a thing up and saying, you know, because we do that, don't we? Before you start throwing, throwing stuff at me, you know, we all stick that on, you know, we stick a picture of us and our, our, our beloved and say, blessed. Really, that's just the tip of the iceberg. That's not what blessed is. But we all do it. I did it. We had our 33rd wedding anniversary recently and we put it up there and we said, you know, Sue puts up her post and I put up my post and we say something about being blessed. We have a bit of a competition actually. Sue, uh, when we both put something up, she gets stacks more likes than I do because she's got friends. No, no, that's an exaggeration. I do have one. So, um, uh, but anyway, you know, we've put that up there and, and we do that. And, uh, but that's really, and I wanted to point out, that's really not, what, that there's such, such a, a fickle and, a, and a, a surface understanding of what blessed is really about. So what does it look like? What does blessing God style produce? And the psalmist goes on, he tells us that in verse 3, he said, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf doesn't wither in all that he does he prospers. There is heaps in there and I could do two weeks on this but I'm going to be succinct, I promise. None of these words are accidental. you know. And and I read this psalm so many times this week and none of these words are there just because they help other words sew together. It's all in there because the psalmist wants to understand. And I guess the original listener would understand the, the picture of the language perhaps much more than we do. And he uses, he, uses, um, he uses specific words, a tree. And a tree is something that's solid, dependable, long-living and life-giving. So the person that is blessed is like a tree You're solid, you're dependable, you're long-living, life-giving. And the listener would have heard that, and a tree represented something really solid to the original listeners. And then a tree planted. So planted would have communicated to them that it wasn't a seed that just blew in the wind that landed haphazardly somewhere, but that it was intentionally put right where it is. But a blessed person, a blessed man, is a tree, solid, Planted right, purposed right where you are. So not just well, you've landed in the dirt and you might as well grow there. Planted right near the water, isn't it? By streams of water. Water is is was back then and it is now. It's a it's an analogy for a source of sustenance, isn't it? That's where the tree taps its life from. It's purposed to be there and it's solid, but it's planted right where it can tap into the source and get life fresh, life-giving water. And then the psalmist says, and this tree will bear fruit in season. It will, there will be results. There will be fruit from this tree. There will be growth. There will be maturity in season at the right time. Not immature, not fruit that's picked early, and that will become a blessing for others. And he goes on to say, that does not wither. He yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. It's sustained. It's, it's not something that... This tree is solid and strong and it's close to the source, not easily undone. It's a strong tree. Adversity doesn't kill it. It doesn't shy away from heat. And in all that he does, he prospers. Well, prospers in the Hebrew... Of course, we have so many ways of understanding prosperity. But in the Hebrew, prosper is to succeed, to be profitable. But the root meaning is to accomplish satisfactorily what is intended. Think of that. To accomplish satisfactorily what is intended. By who? By you? Or by God? Since he orchestrated your life. Real prosperity results from the work of God in the life of one who meditates on his word. So the man of blessedness prospers because Scripture is consulted and used as a guide for what he does, but he also uses Scripture as a guide for how he does what he does. So that's what blessing looks like. If you want to know, if you want to say you're blessed, if you want to say you're blessed, or if you want to look for blessing, what it looks like is you want to be strong, you want to be solid, you want to be dependable. You want to be planted. You want to know that you're purposed where you are by God. You want to know that you're planted deeply right near the source. You want to know that you're close to the source. The things that you need to grow, the things that you need to become a strong and dependable tree are right there. That God is the source and He's right near you. That you'll, and, and, in that, and then you'll bear fruit in season. It won't be immature. You'll grow and you'll be a blessing for others. There'll be shade from that tree. There'll be timber from that tree. There'll be many things that come. And you won't wither easily when the attack comes, when, when the heat comes, when the things come at you that, that try to draw you back into the counsel of the wicked or, or the way of sinners. You'll be too strong. You will not wither. That's what blessing looks like. Now, it might include stuff. It might include a fantastic life partner. It might include a beautiful car or a house or a great job. It might include so many things. But they're not the things that we chase. They're not the things in the first instance identified by the psalmist. It might experience feelings and experiences, but that isn't what we should hunger for and desire most for. Blessing God style is what sets us apart for glory. That makes us different. That prepares us. This tree, you know, the blessed man is prepared for glory, for eternity with God. So it sounds like I have my work cut out if I want to be blessed, doesn't it? That it all depends on me that I need to not do this and and do this. But it's really interesting, the psalmist right at the end leaves us with an encouraging word in verse 6. And I don't know if we can get verse 6 up there. Oh, lovely, isn't it? All by itself up there. Verse 6, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous. Now, the psalmist doesn't just mean, in that language there, it doesn't just mean that, oh, so God knows you. Hey, that's shame. You know, there's this deep sense in the, in, in the, in the, in the Hebrew, the know is that, that God actually intimately is involved with you. He owns you. He, he loves you. He connects with you. He knows the way of the righteous. He's involved in you, in the in your way. He's invested in your way. There's intimacy there. In the message, says, the message version says to that verse, God charts the road you take. And the NIV says, the Lord watches over the way. So there's this real sense that God is with you. Remember how I said earlier that there's something about us being blessed and a life with God where the psalmist wants us to understand straight away that God is with us. That we do this with God that God draws us into this relationship, helps us to understand how to live, and He knows us in a biblical sense. There's intimacy, involvement, ownership. He identifies us as His and not as the wicked. You know, and the cross is the crowning jewel here. Because through the cross, you and I are now solidly, firmly identified as His. That's what put the stamp on and said, you're mine. We belong. We're fully known. And God chooses to chart our road and set our path. So you can be blessed with so many things. You know, new grandchild, new child, all those sorts of things. But we can never be more blessed than to be known by the Father. That's what the psalmist wants to tell us. There's nothing. You know, blessed is the man who meditates on the word delights in the word. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. He's with us. You can never be more blessed than to be known by the Father. That's true blessing. And that's when you can say, I am truly blessed. Amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you that... um, You know, we just talked about uh, Australia Day and and, um, we think of being blessed to live in this country and we certainly are. We thank you for so many things that you give us. But Lord, we thank you that blessing runs so much deeper than that. That real blessing is being known by you. Real blessing is choosing to shape our lives and to form our lives and to direct our lives around the things, the instruction that you gave us. Lord, the real blessing is is allowing our curiosity to be piqued by you. Allowing our experiences and our involvement to be around you. Allowing you to be the source of our growth and development. Allowing you to be the person that, that makes us into the tree or the people that we're supposed to be. That we use your word, that we look at your word as something beyond just a set of spiritual imperatives, but a guide to life and an understanding of of who the source is, the one that loves us. An understanding of the passion you have to, to grow us, to strengthen us. For then we're truly blessed. An understanding of someone who loved us, loves us and loved us so much that he sent his only son to make final that stamp your mine forever. We thank you, Lord, that that's what it means to be blessed. And we thank you, Lord, that we don't have to um, twist your arm to be those people. That it's an invitation that you love to do that. You love to be with us in our life. And we pray, Lord that we, would, yeah, Lord, that we would reach our arms out to you, our hands out to you, and say, Lord, plant me, grow me, be my source, so that I would be the man or the woman that's blessed. Amen. Um, we 're going to finish off by singing this song number Jesus and it 's just an invitation I guess to declare exactly what we 've heard that there is no one else. His way is the one we 're going after all of our delight, all of our hope, all of our strength is found in Jesus, and that we would you know each new day again that 's what we 'll choose so let 's stand and let 's sing.